friends and welcome to Faith FM. Drive time. Welcome to BQ&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Joseph Matichich uh, here in the studio in, in Adelaide in South Australia and I'll be your host for the program. Welcome along to our show today, wherever you might be listening in or tuning in. I'd love to hear from you. Our text line number here is 0488 880811. Welcome to another week on Drive Time. Uh, This week we're going to be looking at the question, how do we explain biblical violence? And today, specifically, we'll be asking, why does the Bible contain so much violence? Joining me today is Pastor William Mawala. Uh, pastor William Mawala is a pastor of the Gawler Seventh-day Adventist Church, Grace Adventist Centre, as well as an associate pastor at the Paravista Seventh-day Adventist Church here in Adelaide. Uh, good afternoon, William. Great to have you along. Good afternoon, Joseph. Good to be here. Welcome back, uh, William, to uh, another week, another new week uh, here on Drive Time. It's, uh, it's always great to be able to have the opportunity to, to start the week together. Absolutely. I trust you had a good weekend and... Um, you're into it for another new week. Yep, I had a good weekend. We had church on the weekend. We got to preach at um, Gawler Church up there at the Gawler Adventist Church. So we had a wonderful time there on um, on the weekend. And um, yeah, got a chance to have a have a, some quality time with the little one, little baby Nariah. Well, she's not little anymore. She's turning two in August, so just around the corner. So that's your that's your little girl. Yeah, it's my yeah. little daughter. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. our pride and joy. So. Um, so, yeah, she's a handful, but she's definitely a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, just on that, William, um, you, you became a father um, just almost two years ago. Um, uh, they say that when you have a child, it changes your life. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think, I think some things change, but some things don't. I think, I think the, the biggest blessing I've got is, um, I think, just more happy. I, I can't explain it, you okay. know, just knowing that, a sense of completeness that, you know, it was lovely with my wife and we, you know, obviously, um, love to be with each other. But now having that baby in the middle of us, it just, I don't know. I can't explain it. You know, it's just beautiful. And just to know, you know, when we're having rough days at work and we're just going through stuff, you know, when you go home and you see that little critter smiling at you with beaming her, her eyes and just smiling just makes, makes my day. So. Yeah, it was great. And I think we're enjoying it more because I think, as you would know, you know, in those early stages, um, those, particularly those, the first six months or so, it, yeah, it was quite, you know, it had its challenges and we were trying to adapt to having a, a newborn. But I think now she's beginning to say a few words and she's getting around. And so, um, yeah, it's been, it's been quite the journey. So mm. we're really enjoying, uh, parenthood at this stage of our lives. Yeah. Oh, really, really good. And it, it, is there something that you have, uh, is there one thing you've probably learnt uh, so far um, si- since becoming a since becoming a father? Anything that um probably patience, okay? Because um, yeah. you know babies, they you know they they cry when they cry, and you got to do what you need to do with them. And they change the diapers, or you got to get yeah. up in the middle of the night and and warm up the bottle for them. So uh, patience, and um, it's made me and my wife work more as a team. Mm. So you know, so it's only strengthened our marriage, which is which is a blessing. Yeah, so I think I've learned patience, <laughs> and I've learned how to um, to work as a team with my lovely wife. But uh, yeah, as I said, it's it's been great. We love it. Yeah, yeah. No, good on you. Well done. Um, 
William, it's uh, great to have you here as we look at um, uh, another new week here on Drive Time. We're, we're looking at a um, uh, an interesting uh, topic yeah, this week, aren't we? Um, yeah. Violence in the Bible. Not something that we probably really talk about. Um, mm-hmm. And and look, we're looking at it all, all this week. Um, uh, I know later in the week we're particularly looking at the whole issue of um the God of the Old Testament. Um, yeah. Yeah, some people have this real view that the God of the Old Testament is quite different to the God of the New Testament, and the God of the Old Testament is kind of like a fairly uh, violent kind of a God. And, uh, and when mm. you look at the portrait of Jesus, it, it, a bit of a contrast. So um, th- 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 there's some of the things I guess we, we'll be looking at. Some people who um, uh, yeah don't believe in God or, or the Bible. This is probably one of the 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 absolutely the yep. topics that, that that puts them off. Um, and, um, yeah, I know we're going to be particularly, uh, here on the program g- going into some of those passages, aren't we? Yep. Um, which really, uh, you know, I-, I bet you wouldn't be sharing some of these passages like with your little girl, um, because they, they are pretty gruesome. Yeah, I know. There are some stories in the Bible which, um, like you said, they're quite graphic, quite violent. And um, as we're going to discuss tonight, um, we're going to open that up. But yeah, mm. there's certainly some <laughs> some of these stories we wouldn't be sharing our children's story time at church at eleven o'clock on a Saturday morning. But uh, but they are there, and as we're going to find out tonight, I believe that God has a a purpose in, in having those stories there for us to to look at. I know from the outside looking in, it looks rather grotesque. It looks rather, you know, especially you know, it's just like you said, it's just a way of. Uh, people perceiving God, how can God allow these, you know, these certain acts to, and almost the next step is why did God allow it? So there's, it's a very loaded, uh, theme we're looking at not only tonight, but the rest of this week. So the rest of our guys are going to come in and hopefully, um, hit this from every angle. And hopefully by the end of the week, Joseph, we're going to see that, um, yeah, we shouldn't be afraid of it, particularly for us as believers. We shouldn't be afraid of it. We shouldn't run away from it. We should acknowledge that it's there, but also there's, um, I believe there's some, some, some learning lessons we can glean from it. And obviously, if it's in the Bible and, and it's there for a purpose, and I believe that God has divinely inspired the word, uh, with these, um, stories to help us learn something about the nature of evil, the nature of the human response. And so it, it's a good topic. And, yeah, and quite yeah. often, you know, I've been a pastor now seven, eight years. Like I, you know, we don't really get up on a, on a Saturday morning. And, you know, today we're going to talk about Judges 19, for instance, mm. which we're going to look at in a moment. Mm. So they, they are in there. And for the seasoned Christians, we, we, we go through the Bible, we read through it. And there are some of those chapters that we're like, Oh, that, that seems a bit, yeah, you know, we kind of quickly read it. We kind of get over it because it's a little bit distasteful. We kind of uh, makes us li- feel a little bit uneasy, uncomfortable, but, you know, it's good. It's good that we get to talk about it this week. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yep, looking forward to it. Now, before we uh, get into that, uh, William, I wanted to uh, share a little bit of uh, uh, news that um, is, is of interest here. Uh, this came across um, uh, just, a, a, just a, a few, only a few days ago um, from the news website, um, the ABC News, an article titled, Do Australians Trust Religious Leaders? Mm. Uh, and uh, this article says this, trust in religious leaders is dropping. But some Australians say they've never been closer to God. So what's going on? Uh, and then he goes on um, and shares about, um, uh, uh, quoting from, uh, referring to a few people. It says here, when asked whether he trusts religious leaders in Australia today, this gentleman by the name of Hei Dong Mo does not hold back. Uh, the 20-year-old said this, if you're going to mislead people about the metaphysics of the universe, how can we trust you about anything else? Uh, 
Um, he he attends a Friday night uh, atheist meetup. The article says at Sydney's Humanist House, a venue that's long hosted events celebrating the secular. Uh, for obvious reasons, there's no such thing as an atheist place of worship, but this building is as close as it gets, it says. Um, and um, then talks about this uh, this gentleman, uh, he wasn't always an atheist, he says. Um, but um, uh, it, it quotes, the article quotes the Australia Talks National Survey, which found that 41% of Australians don't trust religious leaders at all. Wow. 41%. Yep. In this survey. And that's a 6% rise, Will. A 6% rise since the survey was last conducted only two years ago. Wow. Okay. Um, the distrust, the article here says, is even more significant among the 18 to 24 year olds who don't religious, who don't trust religious leaders at all. A, a jump of about 15%, um, in, in the, in the last two years. Wow. Um, it, it's really quite, um, yeah, quite staggering. What, what, what do you make of the fact here that um, it's referring to? Well, what, what, what would you say is uh, the reason that less Australians are trusting religious leaders? I, I think it's not. I guess my gut response to that is, Joseph, it's it's not necessarily just religious leaders. I think just leadership in general. Ah, I mean, when you okay, think at world yeah. leaders, yes, politicians, yeah, perhaps, politicians, yep. any person in some type of um, leadership position, uh, unfortunately. Um, because of um, you know things that have happened you know, on the world stage, um, I'm thinking of a particular leader who you know had a, a immoral a falling mm. in, and the you know the the aftermath of that. So I think our culture now, and I think this is something that, um, for instance, l- let me just open this up. It's not meant to be a can of worm, but you know with the whole COVID pandemic that hit hit our shores last year and the whole uh, the hotel quarantine debacle in Melbourne, and for instance, and I, I distinctly remember kind of just every day on the news uh, and just kind of it boiled down to who was to blame. And, and it's amazing the mental, the gymnastics that these leaders would go about to basically say it wasn't their fault. And I think when people watch it from the outside in, Joseph, they see it and they go, why can't people just be real and honest? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm not trying to, I guess, say it's not a re- you know religious thing. Um, I'm not trying to, uh, cut, you know, you know, Take the take the uh, conversation somewhere else because uh, religious leaders are part of this uh, question, this article. But I think it's just in general, this general distrust of, of leadership, uh, uh, an unwillingness to take ownership when things go wrong. Hmm. Uh, think of the religious world. I'm thinking of one particular, you know, certain, uh, you know. Child sex abuse, for instance, yeah, in, yeah. in religious yep. systems, people coming out years later of their of their ordeal, yes. and and what happens when they go to these court proceedings? You know, it's all about well, can we trust your account? You know, so I guess it boils down to people are sick and tired of whether it's religious or not. People aren't willing to be honest and transparent, mm. and I think there is a disconnect with it. I think your statistic raised, you know, young adults, yeah, young people can see through through all the facade of, of people who say one thing and do the other. And I think yeah, religion point. takes, a, you know, obviously as bears a brunt of some of their frustration. Um, so I think that's where I'm coming from. Mm. I think it's not just a religious thing. It's just the human culture in which we, we live when people do something wrong. I mean, look, I don't mean to be political, but what happened with the January 6th riots in the United States? And there's a whole bunch of politicians saying that it wasn't right. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So it's all this, black, you know, 
kind of deflecting uh, the truth of the matter. I think that's what really at the heart is. And leaders are very yeah. the ones that are very easy to for people to to, to pick yeah. on or or, or look to to, yeah. to blame. Uh, it's interesting. The article goes on. Um, uh, referring to a religion researcher by the name of Dr. Abraham Abraham from the Australian National University confirms the the sentiments of some of these people um, and their views about not trusting religious leaders. But he prefers uh, he prefers to use a different term to atheist when talking about young Australians more broadly. Right. Uh, and quoting him, he says this, the term to describe most young Australians would be apathy Apathists, apathists, which is a combination of apathy and atheism. He says they're just not interested in religion. Mm. He goes on and says some of the demands or the requests that church leaders are making for for exemptions to anti-discrimination laws, for example, or generally to have the ear of government are no longer appropriate in the eyes of many Australians, particularly young Australians. Uh, he, He says the holy books which is you know, for us would be you know the bible um doesn't match what is happening in society mm. uh yep. especially says here around the attitudes towards sex sexuality and 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 gender and then he says that um uh, people uh, are stepping back from their faith following sex abuse scandals which have seen religious leaders lose their privilege and centrality to the lives uh to the lives of many of many Australians um so yeah um, Apathists, mm. lots of young people, yeah, apathetic to to, to religion. Yeah, um, uh, interesting, isn't it? Um, and and the fact that, um, uh, yeah, he says that religious leaders no longer really have the centrality in the lives of Australians as mm. as would have been once upon yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, and it's a signs of the time, Joseph. I think today um, or generations gone by, you know, the minister or you know would have. An influence in the, in the culture, whereas today there is a, a general move away from from you know uh, religion and all, everything that comes with that is uh, more of a skepticism, and I think that's a, a larger conversation within the within the arts, within universities, you know, just education in general. We're more we're conditioned now to question everything, yes, rather than just take things at face value. So um, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I think just in general. Yeah, it boils down to, I think that, um, I, I think just personally as a pastor, um, Joseph, um, you know, if we're genuine and we're open with people, we, you know, we don't say we have all the answers, but I think people connect more with that. And I think that's what young people want more, mm. is they don't want the religious leader who, you know, spouts all of these, you know, teaches all the Bible and everything. It's kind of like in his ivory tower, espousing all these things that have no relevance for their, for their, for their, the, the way they live. Yeah, but to have someone to say, hey, you know, I'm a fellow traveler with you. You know, these are the things that I wrestle with. So I think now people are looking more for authenticity mm. and they're looking for relevance. And I think uh, my personal perspective is how we uh, package the gospel and package, you know, the, the core teachings and themes of Christianity to show them that, hey, you know, this does, um, uh, relate to your life. It does match. I mean, yeah. despite what it says here, the holy books don't match what's happening in society. Well, actually, they do. And yeah. we, we've talked about it 
uh, and, and I know we, we will um, m- much more here on, yeah. on Drive Time and, and on Faith FM in general, uh-huh. um, really all about showing that the, the Bible is really uh, highlighting the times in which we live and, and what, what's ahead of us. Yeah. It's absolutely relevant and, and does match. But uh, the challenge is to, I guess, to, for, for, to show that and to be able to share it with our, with our community. So, yeah, and no, I thank you. Look, um, let, let's, take a, let's take a break, William. We'll, we'll be back in, uh, in just a moment. Uh, you're listening to Faith FM. This is Drive Time. Uh, don't go anywhere, but just enjoy this piece of music.
No car? No problem. Go to faithfm.com.au and tune into your local station anytime and anywhere. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM uh, Drive Time. This is a big Q&A uh, here with uh, Joseph Matichic and uh, William Mawala. Great to have you um, joining us this uh, this afternoon, this evening, wherever you might be tuning in, wherever you might be listening. Great to have you. If you've got any comment, any question you'd like to, to, to send in, love to hear from you. Our, our number here is 0488 880 Eight double one. That number again. Do you text in any any comments, any questions, uh, anything that you wanted to share as as you as you're listening uh, along today? Uh, please do so. Uh, send it along. Uh, text it through to zero four double eight double eight zero. Eight double one. Love to hear from you, and if we get a chance, we'll um, yeah, we, we, we want to share that um, here here on Drive Time. So uh, please, please do, please do uh, do that. Um, uh, William, we are looking at uh, this week the whole issue of, of violence in the Bible. Yep. Um, and um, earlier on in the program, we we, we mentioned how um, this is this is this is actually a real challenging issue, particularly for for non for non believers. Um, and um, I, I think uh, quite uh, probably the, the one person that's made this quite prominent um, is the quite well renowned atheist Richard Dawkins yeah. <laughs> um, uh, one of his books called The God Delusion and he he particularly referring to the God of the Old Testament um, and he, he writes he actually uses these words it refers to God of the Old Testament as the mo- most unpleasant character in all fiction um, and uh, he says that he's, God is jealous proud petty unjust unforgiving control freak bloodthirsty ethnic cleanser wow Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, then he talks about um, this. It says the Bible may be an arresting and poetic work of fiction. Interesting. He, he just refers to it as yeah. fiction. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't consider the Bible as, as the word of God at all. It was certainly yeah. not inspired. But he, he goes on. He, he says this, Dawkins. Dawkins says, uh, after he says that the Bible may be an arresting and poetic work of fiction, but it is not the sort of book you should give to your children to form their morals. Mm. What makes my jaw drop, he says, is that people today should base their lives on such an appalling role model as God. And, uh, yeah, he's referring to particularly the the violence that we find in in the Bible. Um, Help us, Will. Uh, Let's get into that now. So go for it. I mean, how do we we, uh, respond to... To this issue of violence in the Bible, why does the Bible contain this violence? That, that's particularly what we want to ask today. Why does the Bible contain the violence? Yeah. Well, I thought what I might do is, Joseph, to probably answer that question, um, to maybe use uh, one particular story in the Bible that um, I've read many times, and I'm no doubt you probably have as well, uh, Joseph, um, as well as many of our listeners. And um, as I said, um, as I was reading through the Bible. Um, you come across these certain stories and um, you kind of have to pause and reflect. Um, did I just really read that? Is, is that really what happened? And and so some of these stories, um, you know, obviously in the Old Testament can be rather um, graphic. But t- today we're talking about this idea of violence. Um, you know, I was reading the other day in the Bible, particularly through the Old Testament, um, in this particular book called Judges. And there is a story there, Joseph, that is, look, it is it is very Graphic. However, you want to spin it, it's it's a pretty deplorable story, mm. and um and so which begs the question. When I was reading it, is um, and what we're looking at this week is why does the Bible seem so violent? Is very violent. Mm. 
Why, why even have this, this passage, this story in there? Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I, I guess one of the things I want to kind of bring out to our listeners tonight is, is, is it's there. Okay. And is there, what can we learn from these stories? Um, and so, um, no doubt you've read this story. I'm, I'm referring to this particular, um, particular woman who was dismembered. Um, so I just want to, where is this story found? Just so it's to... in the Old Testament. It's, yep. in, it's in a book called the Book of Judges. Mm-hmm. And um, can I I'll probably just summarize the uh, the story that I want to kind of look at tonight? It's a particular story in, in chapter nineteen. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we, if we had a bit more time, we probably could have read the whole chapter and then maybe broke it down. But time doesn't permit us uh, on our show today. But uh, let me just give you a bit of a summary. So basically, um, chapter 19 of Judges, it's about a, a particular Levite. Uh, he's, a, he's a priest and he's a um, concubine. Now, I just want to hit the pause button and explain to our listeners what a concubine is, uh, particularly in this in this story. So um, in the Bible, um, a concubine was a woman uh, acquired by a man um, as a secondary wife. Yeah, it wasn't ideal. It wasn't God's ideal, but that's how it was in those days. And so, the purpose of the concubine it was she was there to provide a male heir um, in the case uh, if the, the the wife was barren. Okay. Um, also, uh, this uh, particular concubine was there to provide more children um, in general to enhance the family's workforce and, and their wealth, and, and also to to satisfy the man's um, you know sexual desires. So, so a concubine, um, so the story in Gen, in Judges 19 is this concubine, um, sorry, before we get there, just a bit more on the concubine. She was endowed with, uh, rights, um, and protections, um, by Hebrew law, uh, but she wasn't really, uh, equal footing in status, uh, to the wife. And so, so this story so, so, in. So sort of like a second wife. Yeah. But not with, yeah, equal, uh, as you say, not the equal status of a wife. Yeah. But, but still, yeah, someone significant in that relationship. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so the, the story that I kind of want to unpack to kind of, um, ask, you know, ask to qu- answer the question, you know, why does the Bible contain so much violence? I want to kind of look at this story because it's quite a graphic story. And so just back to the very quick summary of this story in chapter 19. Um, this particular Levite and, and his concubine, they were traveling and they stayed overnight at a place called Gibeah. Um, and in a scene, uh, some of those of people listening tonight, it's very reminiscent of, uh, the story of Lot and his treatment in Sodom. That's another story in the Bible. So basically this story in, in chapter 19 of Judges, the townspeople, they gather around this home that this particular, um, man was, uh, was staying in and, and they actually wanted to, you know, sexually molest, molest him or rape him. Now, I know it sounds pretty graphic, but I'm just telling you how the story goes. And that's so, actually in the Bible. In the Bible. And so in this story, the householder with whom he was staying, this particular Levite, he was staying, uh, this, the householder tried to protect him. And again, this sounds even more crazier. He actually offers um, his own virgin daughter and the Levite's concubine uh, to them instead. So the Levite consented to offer his concubine, and as the story goes, the people actually uh, raped this uh, woman and abused her throughout the night, and then at dawn, the Bible says, they let her go. So the story ends up with her collapsing on the threshold of the door, so basically the front entrance of the door. And so the crazy thing about this story, Joseph, is when the Levite finds her, he puts her on his donkey and he, he goes home. And then later when he gets home, he actually 
mutilates her body, cuts up her body into 12 pieces and sends each a piece of her body, a piece to each tribe of Israel, uh, which designates uh, 12, 12 pieces. So if you really read the story, even me mentioning it on air, it is quite graphic. It's mm. quite gruesome. Like you said, this is not the story we, you know, read to, you know, to our children for bedtime stories. But I think there is a, a lesson that can be learned here. So, again, it's a gruesome stories, and, and stories such as these are, in fact, in the Bible. And, and here's the thing, Joseph. Um, we as Christians, well, we shouldn't be afraid of um, stories such as these. And I'm so glad that we were able to unpack tonight and the rest of this week about violence in the Bible. Because it is one of the objections that, uh, you know, non-Christians mm. would often say to me and, and in, in response to Christianity is, is there's so much violence and bloodshed. And as Richard Dawkins says, you know, God is a, a genocidal God and et cetera, et cetera. But, but what I want us to, to consider tonight is I want to encourage everybody, um, to actually read the Bible through because every story in the Bible um, has a particular context, as you would know, Joseph. And so when I think about the Bible, and this I kind of want to start from this framework tonight, is um, going, you know, the Bible claims something about itself. And it tells us in the New Testament, in um, New T- in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and in verse 16, the, 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 the great apostle Paul, he wrote that all scripture is, um, breathed out by God and, and it's useful or profitable. And so that's, that's the claim of the Bible that it's inspired. So mm. as I'm listening to this story, Joe, so I have to say, Hey, okay, the Bible is an inspired document. There, there must be something more to this story, um, that I may not be getting, um, as on a surface reading. And so that's what the Apostle Paul said. And I think it's interesting that um, all of the Bible, Joseph, and you would agree with me, <laughs> is um, it's God-inspired, and that actually includes um, the vo- the most violent parts. Mm. So I just want to um, just kind of throw it out there. Yep, it's in the Bible. It's a violent, it's a disgusting story, but nevertheless, it's in the Bible. And so just a couple of preliminary um, remarks I want to make. And then I, essentially tonight, I want to kind of share three main ideas to this idea of violence in the Bible. If we can get through these three, I, I think um, just to leave our listeners with tonight. But before I get to the three points, um, just a couple of observations. Um, number one, um, God's presentation of these things in writing and in the inspired scripture is not a mistake. Okay. That's, that's worth noting. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And the reason I say that, Joseph, because I think it even lends itself to the authenticity of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if we wanted to just conjure up uh, this fictional character called God, you know, we would want to have nice stories with everyone doing the right thing and, you know, kind of like this squeaky clean uh, inspired document. But no, if, for those who know the Bible and you read through its various books, you realize that there's some pretty bad stuff happening in it. So I just want to make the couple of observations on the outset is that it's no mistake. Yeah, you're really saying uh, there, William, that um, the fact that we have 
um, these these gory things, yeah. the less pleasant, as, along with the other things in the Bible, shows us that it's it, that's that's human life, really. It's it, it doesn't gloss over people's lives and and actions. Um, yep. And whilst initially we th- we think, oh, that shouldn't be in the Bible, it actually is. Is if anything, it's it's actually a stronger evidence for the fact that the Bible is is true. It, it's real. Um, it's usually fiction. It's usually uh, children's uh, fiction stories yep. that gloss over the uh, yeah. the very Various uh, less pleasant things, and, and just present a, a sanitized version. Whereas here, we don't have a sanitized exactly. version at all. Exactly. Yeah. And one of the things I love about the Bible in God, um, Joseph, is um, he God presents the world in a divine. It's a context-driven um, uh, setting, and these uh, interpretive words. So, when we're reading stories such as Judges nineteen, and, and by the way, if you're listening tonight, you haven't read Judges nineteen, go home and read it because I'm. Just kind of giving you, I've just given you a quick summary, but basically, um, when God gives us these um, these pictures, it's not the same as these, you know, glorified uh, videos of bl- uh, movies that we're accustomed to in our culture today of blood and, and gore that you know preempt and, and replace the God intended movement uh, from reading written words um, to having word built images in the mind. So. So verbal description, he, another thing here, Joseph, is uh, verbal descriptions with divine explanations. They are not the same as worldly depictions for entertainment or education. So mm, in okay. other words, Joseph, what I'm trying to say tonight is um, these violent stories in the Bible, yes, they are there, but but they're not for entertainment. Like today, when you watch movies, the, the violence is glorified, but there's no real meaning. It's just yeah. that people love watching this stuff. Yeah, but yeah. when God has these violent stories in the Bible, it's not for entertainment. No. In which our world today, you know, as I was mentioning, where violence is glorified, um, but rather these stories have been preserved um, to teach us a lesson. Um, so, in fact, going back to the Apostle Paul again, um, he tells us in Romans 15 and verse 4, I, I think this is a really applicable text to highlight at this stage. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, Romans 15 and verse 4, he says that for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Okay, that's a yeah, that's that's significant, uh, William. So yeah. really, uh, even the the really gory, the, the less pleasant portions of Scripture, they're, they're there to um, to teach a lesson. So we we look at what's going on, and we we can learn something something from it. It's not 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 for entertainment. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, it, it's there for a purpose. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. So, and another thing, I just a uh, couple other things. Um, you know what I've noticed, Joseph? Um, we live in a very, how can I say, a soft, um, easily offended uh, culture. And, and what that, because of that, I guess, culture in which we're in, it, I, I think it unfits us to grasp what most of history is being like and, and what most of the world is still like. And, and what I think, uh, uh, Joseph, I think God gave us the Bible the way it is. Uh, like we were saying earlier, with all of the horrors, all of the darkness, all of this violence, partly because, and this is why I believe the Bible is so inspired, because God knew that the day would come when we would be so spoiled, so cocooned, so overprotected, so coddled in our little bubble that we would not have the emotional and mental capacities um, to grasp 
utterly crucial realities in the Bible and the world. So I think, in other words, what I'm trying to say is, um, Joseph, God knows that he gives up there to get, it's kind of grounding. Mm. It, you think of it coming, it's like a worldview. When you read the Bible, you see some of the, the heights and the, and the absolute lowest of the human experience. You see men and women on the mountaintop doing amazing things for God, living high virtuous lives. And then on the flip side, you see them living the most deplorable, the most, you know, inhumane, uh, Practices and it's all in the Bible: the good and the bad, yeah. the, the good and the ugly, and that's why. What as we were saying earlier, I think lends itself to its credibility. So I guess what I'm trying to say in this little bit here is that the horrors that we find in the Bible and uh, are there for a reason. You, so, do you want to tell us then what what these yeah. reasons are? Yep. All right. So <laughs> that was a bit of the intro. So so I want to share three points tonight, and uh, what we might do is we might. See if we can hit two, then we'll hit the break. If not, we'll yep. plow right through. We'll see how time goes. Sounds good. So, um, so I guess it boils down to three kind of reasons I want to share with our audience tonight, Joseph. And here it is. Um, when you look at the Bible, now I want to talk very quickly about the book Judges. If you read the, the book of Judges, honestly and contextually, you'll see this sentence keep popping up time and time again, Joseph. I know you know it. Um, it's this phrase, in those days there was no king in Israel. You see it a few times in Judges chapter 17, chapter 18, chapter 19, and chapter 21. So interesting, in those days there was no king in Israel. So what does that tell us? Well, in two of those instances, that sentence is followed by everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Okay. So when there was no king, when there was no leader, when there was no direction, um, uh, th- what we find is this kind of unre- yep. unrestrained rebellion. Unrest- Perfect phrase there, Joseph. Yep. Unrestrained rebellion. And so if you're just going to pick up Judges 19 and mm. read this deplorable story, you can, yeah, you can step back and go, man, what a disgusting story. How come that is in the Bible? But if you read the context, okay. it's almost like the author is setting you up yeah. for what you're about to read. Okay. So, so that, that, that phrase there, two of the time, two of the fourth times it says, you know, in those days there's no king, it's followed by the phrase, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So it's in one of those uh, sentences, Judges 19 verse 1, it stands at the introduction of the whole chapter that we were talking about of this, this really nasty story between this particular man that dismembers his, his, his concubine. So, so what does that tell us, Joseph? Here's my first point. If, if, if you read that in context, no king in Israel, everyone does what's right in their own eyes. It tells me this, Joseph. It signifies what happens to society. Uh, think of a Joseph like like a river, right? Mm-hmm. So think of um, society. Uh, society's like a it's like a river of evil flowing through our society, and it's not it's flowing through the human heart, and, and it runs wild without a dam of civil authority keep it uh, from spilling out over the whole earth. So you will correct what you just said earlier. It's unrestrained. So the first point I want to make with our listeners tonight is it's this unrestrained rebellion. So when you're reading Judges 19, this is not God's ideal. It's not what God didn't tell this Levite to do this. Mm. We are simply seeing the human heart in its rawest form, and particularly when there's no God 
perspective, everyone doing what mm. is right in their own eyes. And I think sometimes people miss that. Mm. People attribute a lot of these bad things in the Bible. Oh, God did that. Oh, God allowed this. Hey, hey, we have to kind of acknowledge that there is the human element. Mm. There's the human response. It's actually quite the opposite. This is this is exactly because people weren't uh, following one authority. And ultimately, it's because uh, they weren't following the authority of God. Um, right. And so what happens when any every, every individual chooses what they want to do uh, what they think it, to do is right, this is what it leads to, yeah. um, violence. You know, Joseph, I was thinking of, as you would know as well, there's many stories. Uh, I think the clearest picture that I have in my mind is, um, you know, the story in the, the flood incident, I think Genesis 6 and yes, 7. Yes, No, You know, God called Noah to make an ark, and basically um, because of the sin of the of the, of the world, the, the the, the the human heart, you know, I think the Bible uses the phrase, they were evil continually. Yeah. And, and I guess that's what we're coming from is all of the violence. I'm not saying all of it, but, but to a large degree, when you, when you read stories such as Judges 19, it's really a reflection of this unbridled, unrestrained rebellion. So that's the first point. I'll probably a couple bit more I could share on that, but I think that's the gist of it mm. is that what what you're reading is a society when the river of evil is just flowing from the human heart and there's no one to put a check on it. Mm. And guess what, Joseph? We see that today, right? I mean, can I tell you how much times I turn on the TV here in Adelaide and you see stuff going on and you're mm. like, man, like, it's just, it's the human heart yes. without any bridled um, uh, restraint. Yes. Um well, we'll, we need to take a break. Yep, no um, worries. So let, let's just uh, pause it there. Thank you. So one reason we've seen why there is violence in the Bible is it's an example, a lesson of what happens when there is um, no no authority, either civil authority or ultimately any any authority, um, uh, no restraints yeah. leads to leads to violence. Um, let's uh, let's take a break. We'll be back straight back here on Drive Time. Uh, listen to Candy and Daryl Kun sing this beautiful song, Peace in the Valley. Well, I'm tired and I'm weary, but I must toil long till the Lord comes to call me away. Where the morning is bright and the Lamb is the light and the night is as fair as the day. i 
faithfm.com.au and tune into your local station anytime and anywhere. Welcome back to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A uh, with Joseph Matichich and I have uh, William Mawala here and we're exploring the question, why does the Bible contain so much violence? Uh, William, just before the break, you took us to uh, a very violent passage in, in the Bible, Judges 19, and uh, we saw that, that it's there for a reason. Um, it, it, it shows us what happens when the river of human evil is not dammed up by, by civic authority. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other reasons why uh, there uh, there is violence that we find recorded in the pages of Scripture? Sure. I've just got uh, probably two more points before we uh, wrap this up tonight. I think the second reason um, is that uh, the futility and the corruption that we see in our world today, what it actually does, it actually gives us some idea of the horror of sin against God. Now, let me try and explain that. You see, the reason there is such an abundance of violence in the Bible, Joseph, I believe is because we see so much violence in the world. And so we must ask the ultimate question then, why is that? And so the Bible is documenting what is. It's just telling us reality. It's not creating the violence. It's simply, Joseph, telling us what is the reality? Yeah, well, that's a really good point because, uh, you know, at the start of the show, we talked about uh, the ABC yeah. News article which saying yep. that, the, that the Holy Books, the Bible, um, doesn't actually relate to, um, to, to our times. It does. Yep. It very much does. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Keep going. Mm. And, and so uh, the biblical answer, uh, Joseph, is that as we, we go back to the origins, right back to the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis. See, when sin enters the world and when it entered the world described in Genesis 3, um, 
So that is when, so God opposing, uh, God rejecting, God disparaging, God demeaning treason against God entered the world. So God responded, and here's, this is a pretty crazy idea, Joseph. God responded not simply by judging man's emotions and then thinking and willing and man's emotions, his thinking and his willing and, and relationships. But what does God do? He responds by subjecting the human body and the entire material and physical creation to his judgment. And, and so, Joseph, we see that in, in Genesis 3. We see it here explicitly in Romans 8 and verse 20. If I could just read that very quickly. Uh, Romans 8 verse 20, the Apostle Paul says, Quote, the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. So the question is, Joseph, why did God do that? Why did he ordain that the effect of moral evil and sin would be displayed in the horrors of, of say, you know, physical evil, earthquakes, floods, famines, pandemics, etc., and every manner of, um, you know, of evil and, and destruction we see in our world today? And here's the thing. Here's the second reason, now, Josie. He did it because he knew that people who are dead in their trespasses and sins, it's a very uh, biblical terminology there mm. to explain the human predicament we're in, um, would never comprehend the moral outrage of treason against God unless they saw it reflected in the physical outrage of violence against man. So, in other words, Joseph, no one, no one loses sleep over their treason against God. We don't sit in our beds and go, man, I've really offended God. But, but if you let someone, uh, let someone experience in their physical body when they experience cancer or someone, uh, goes through the, the horrors of experiencing rioting or, then, then that person's emotions, they really rise up with, uh, I guess, a sense of moral, uh, how can I say, indignation. Mm. So, so I guess the, the second point is violence and suffering exists in this world, I believe, as a divine witness to the meaning and the seriousness and the outrage of sin against God. So, so that's the second point. Um, so that the the violence we see in our world, in our world it somehow gives us a picture of what we've done to God. Gives us an idea of really yeah. what what sin is and what its consequences yeah. are. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like just alluding to in Genesis, God allows us to experience the sin in the world in us and around us, mm. in a, almost to to kind of make us question our response to God in the first place. Because if you read the book of Genesis, the evil and all this has really become as a result of, of man's choosing to yeah. disobey and distrust God. Yeah, okay. So that's the second qu- uh, point. And the last one I kind of want to leave our listeners within tonight, and I love this point because it's the real kind of brings it together in the person of Jesus. Um, if you read Revelation 13 verse 8, Joseph, um, there is a book that's described there in God's presence before the foundation of the world. And the name of the book that we find in the book of Revelation chapter 13 in this particular chapter is the book of life, the book of life of the lamb who was slain. Very interesting terminology. Mm. And and you and I would know this and, and all of our Christian listeners listening tonight, all thoughtful Christians know that at the center of the faith, at the foundation of Christianity is salvation of our the, the foundation of our salvation, the person of Jesus dying on the cross, it's one of the grossest, most violent and gory events in the history of the world. So, so here's the thing, Joseph. 
that the crucifixion, the Son of God, salvation was brought to us, and it may sound weird as I say, but it was brought through a violent act. Mm, okay. Now, here's what I want to suggest to our listeners tonight. What Revelation 13 verse 8 shows us is that it was God's plan before the foundation of the world, not uh, that God would die, that God would send his one and only son die on a cross. And so not only was it God's plan before the foundation of the world, but um, probably don't have time to reference this, but it talks about uh, Jesus um, spilling his blood that he was um, he was slaughtered. Um, Maybe I'll just quote it real quickly. There was a new song um, that sang in heaven, Roman, uh, Revelation 13, 8. It says, Worthy are you to take the scroll to open its seals, for you were slaughtered. And that's the word that's depicted in the Bible, talking about Jesus. And, uh, and by his blood, uh, he ransomed people for God. So I guess without getting too theological here, this idea of slaughtered, uh, Joseph, Jesus was slaughtered, a violent act. Mm. And it's because of this violent act that, that you and I and, and people all over the world can experience the free gift of salvation. So it boils down to this, Joseph. God might have had a different kind of world and a different, now, sorry, not God, we. If we kind of pictured this whole thing of how we would save the world and everything, perhaps we may have a different kind of world, uh, a different kind of salvation from eternity. If we were God, we wouldn't probably do the whole cross, the violence thing. But God planned to save us through this violent act of Jesus dying on a cross. And so I guess what that tells me is Christ, when he died on the cross, he died for us. And so in, in some strange way, um, uh, Joseph, God uses, can I say, it even sounds crazy as me saying this, uses this, this, this idea of violence to highlight his love and his redemption. So I know that sounds crazy, but let me just wrap this up. Three, the three points again, when we're thinking about violence in the Bible, violence in the book of Judges and in other reference in the Bible, it really exists to shows us the the real human heart. Mm. It's the wickedness that exists within the human heart. Uh, the the second point I was just alluding to um, earlier is that the creation evil in our world it gives us some idea of what we've done to God. Mm. And then lastly, God actually uses violence and what happened to Jesus, the most egregiously violent act in history. It exists as a method and a way of saving us. Mm. And it shows us the love of God. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, I could probably talk no, a bit th- more on that, th- but I'll have th- to end it there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, William. So really, yeah, what, what we've seen is that the, the violence that's in the Bible uh, gives us an example of what happens when people uh, don't follow authority, yep. uh, do their own thing. Um, it gives us really a picture of sin. Um, and ultimately, uh, we, the, the, the way that God deals with it is, yeah, is, is this way through, through, through death, which is not a, uh, it, it's, there's no softening of, of that. Um, it shows us that sin itself is awful and God deals yeah. with it in, in that way. But it's out of his love, uh, to save us. Look, thank you very much, William. Um, uh, I'm wondering, would you mind just offering a, a prayer before we close today? Sure, absolutely. Let us pray. 
uh, our Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you uh, for allowing us to speak on air tonight. I know that it's a, it's a big topic. And Lord, if there are people listening tonight that uh, still wrestle with this issue of violence in the Bible, I just want to pray that the Holy Spirit would um, lead them to see that uh, despite the evil and the wickedness we find in the Bible, uh, you use it as a means of teaching us lessons about about humanity and the human heart, but ultimately it teaches us about you and your great love for us, that you use the sin and the darkness and the violence to highlight your great love mm. as displayed on the cross. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. Uh, please be with the rest of our presenters as they present this coming week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's our time is up for today on uh, Drive Time. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, look forward to you being able to join uh, in again tomorrow when Gary Hodgkin uh, has Eric Hall with him looking at the topic of how did Jesus relate to violence. I hope you can tune in then. But in the meantime, uh, remember the promise of Jesus who said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May God richly bless you.